read a verse from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. This is what it says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you ha- may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be patient. The title of what we're going to be considering this morning is Patience is a Virtue. Someone once said this, we all want patience. The problem is we want it right now don't we? We want it right now. How many of you were impatient when you came in this morning because when you came in, there was nowhere for you to park? How many of you felt impatient? I came in and I went, oh my word, there's no, the place I normally park at quarters, is nowhere here. What am I going to do now? I immediately, that you feel that sense of, well, it's my right, that's my space. That's my, someone's parking in my space. We live in a world that promotes Instant gratification. Same day delivery, it's the order of the day, isn't it? It's got to be same day delivery now. We can stream a film online in minutes. We don't have to wait for weeks for a DVD to arrive in the post. Every month there's a new app for our phone that was going to save us time. The curse of immediacy is a virus in our society. We just don't like waiting for anything. How many of you, let's do a little test. How many of you, it's been cold recently, been ice on the windscreen. How many of you have taken a credit card and used a credit card to scrape the ice off the screen, windscreen because you're, you're too uh, impatient to allow the heater to do its work? How many of you have done that? Is it just me? How many of us, how many of us have talked back crossly to an automated voice on the telephone? I've had this conversation many times where someone's saying, press one. I know I've listened to it once already. I tell you, some of the conversations that I've had with an automated voice, I'm glad they're not recorded. How many of us, when you have a microwave, now some, most of you will, some of you won't know what this is, but a microwave meal, okay, you get a microwave, you put it in the microwave, you heat it up, and then it says you're to leave it two minutes to stand. How many of you have ever left it two minutes to stand? <laughs> it's just not, it's not going to happen, is it? You see, the problem is, is our sense of entitlement, Deep down, we believe it's our right to expect things to be done quickly for us. We think we're more important than other people because we don't have a problem with them having to wait. The problem is with us having to wait. We're entitled, and it's a lie. We are owed nothing. The sun rises and sets every day and no app will ever control it for our convenience. 
pregnancy lasts, give or take, nine months. Most mothers at some point will say, I'm ready for the baby to come now. Let me tell you, no baby has ever responded to such a request. (laughs) Crop yields have improved over time with sharper farming methods. But fundamentally, crops need time to grow. Now, Andy Kitto is a farmer. However often Andy stands in a field looking at a crop and glaring at it, looking at a field where he's just sowed, glaring at it, occasionally looking at his watch, shaking his head, tut-tutting, it ain't going to make a jot of difference. It will make no difference at all. However impatient he is because that crop will grow and come to harvest at the right time. It's always been that way. God will not dance to our tune. He pays no attention to our impatience. And he is rightly offended by our impatient arrogance towards him. God is God. He works at his own pace, in his own perfect timing. He is never late and he's never in a hurry. And to experience the benefits of patience in our lives, we need to align our thinking with what the Bible says, not what the world around us tells us. The Old Testament is full of men and women who prophesied. They caught glimpses of what God was going to do. And yet not one of them was able to hurry God up. Ultimately, on the issues of life, it is God who decides when and how long. This is God being patient. The Bible says God is patient with us. God's incredible patience is no random quality which he arbitrarily chooses to use in a given situation. He, the Bible says in Romans chapter 15, is the God of patience. That's what it says in the the New King James Version. He is the God of patience. So when the Bible talks about us being patient, it's not talking about how we can do better or how we can try harder. It's not talking about self-help. Self-help is all around us and we're told, if you want to be patient, take time out. Take deep breaths. Slow down. Remember, you're owed nothing. Others are worse off than you. Listen to what others are really saying. Be patient. That is not what the Bible's talking about. That is not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible sets a different standard. In the New Testament, Jesus tells a parable about two servants, both of whom ask for patience in in order to pay back a debt. The first owes a massive sum of money to his boss. The debt is way beyond his capacity to, to pay back. And amazingly, amazingly, the boss lets him off the debt. The same employee later goes and finds a colleague who owes him a much, much smaller sum of money. 
and the colleague can't pay it back and the colleague asks asks for patience to be able to pay the debt back and the servant won't let him and he ends up being thrown into jail the boss hears of it and he is furious and punishes the unmerciful servant and the point of the parable is this God is incredibly patient with each and every one of us. And so we should be patient towards others. And if we're impatient with others, God will call us to account. God expects us to exhibit patience of a different order. So what does God's patience look like? What does God's patience look like? It looks like Jesus. We've been singing about love has a name. God's love is exhibited in his patience and it has a name. The name is Jesus. God's patience is revealed in his son. You see, God's patience is not about being placid, lethargic or indifferent. That isn't what God's patience is like. The New Testament uses two words, two Greek words for patience. The first one is used in terms of things, like circumstances or trouble, being patient in trouble. The second Greek word is used in terms of being patient in terms of people. That is God's patience. God is patient with people and his patience is most clearly seen in Jesus. Jesus is as we heard earlier the image of the invisible God. What's God like? Well look at Jesus. The New Testament shows us what God is like because we see Jesus. When we read stories about Jesus we're seeing how God would act in those circumstances because Jesus only ever did what he saw his father doing we're told in John chapter 5. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and he talks openly about what he was like before he became a follower of Christ. And this is how Paul talks about himself. He says he was a good guy trying hard. No, he doesn't say that. He says he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was a violent man. That is how Paul described himself. And then there's one day, he's on his way to Damascus, and he's going deliberately, intentionally, to persecute Christians, the early church. He's outraged about what they're saying about Jesus, that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's outraged, and he's going to persecute them. He's going to take them, and he's going to have them. He's got a letter with him, so that he can have them thrown in prison. He is not a nice guy. If he turned up this morning, it would cause havoc and chaos. And then as he's on the Damascus road, there's a moment he is encountered by Jesus. Jesus meets him on the road. He has a personal encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And in that moment, everything changes. You would have thought he was about to come to a sticky end. No one would have expected the twist in the story. No one. 
Ananias, one of, you read about in Acts chapter 9, one of the early Christians whose God speaks to him, says, go and find this guy called Saul, who uh, we know as Paul. And he says, I've heard reports about him, I've heard lots of reports about what he's done to Christians. I don't want to go. That's essentially what he's saying. The people of Damascus have heard about him. They said, this is the man that's called Havoc. Jesus encounters him and Jesus says to him, Paul. And Paul says, who are you? He says, I am Jesus who you're persecuting. He wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting Christians. Jesus so associates with people who belong to him that when Paul is persecuted, Jesus says, you're persecuting me because they're my people. That's what he says. And in that moment, you think, right, Paul is going to get it now. He is right for it. God's going to sort him out in the moment. Wow, this is going to be messy. I almost want to turn my eyes away. I don't want to see what God's going to do. And this is what Paul says happened. In that moment, to someone who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, he'd had, he'd had Christians put to death. He'd been there and supported while they were put to death for their faith in Christ. And this is what he says happened. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. Why would God do that? Why would Jesus treat Paul like that? Because he's patient. Paul's conclusion is that he was shown mercy because he was the worst of sinners so that Jesus, and this is what he says to Timothy, that Jesus might display his unlimited patience. Unlimited patience. Unlimited. What does that mean? You go to the bank and you go to the bank manager and say, I'd like to withdraw some, some money. How much can I withdraw? And he says, you can draw whatever you want. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be a great day, wouldn't it? Any bank managers in here? That would be a great day. You imagine you go to your boss in work and you say, I'd like to take some holiday. I'd like to take my partner away. I'd like to celebrate this important moment. How, how, much can, how long can I go away? And the boss says, you can take however long you want. However long. Wow. Unlimited. Unlimited patience. And Paul says Jesus' patience is unlimited for our benefit. It's an example to all of us. Unlimited patience has no end. God's grace is always enough. Maybe some of you are thinking this morning, you're hopeless Christians. Constantly mess up. I want to tell you, Jesus chose his first disciples with you in mind. They weren't the creme de la creme. They weren't the sharpest tools in the box. They weren't the obvious choices. We would not have chosen them. None of them were impressive characters. And yet Jesus chose them to start his church. 
They'd seen incredible miracles. They'd heard him teach with authority. They'd seen Jesus calm storms, set free the oppressed, heal the sick, raise the dead. They'd seen him miraculously feed thousands literally from a lunchbox on at least two occasions. He released them to do the things that they'd seen him do and they went and did it and they came back and said, wow, that's amazing, it works. They'd been part of something incredible. And yet, despite that, they still got regularly confused so that Jesus would say to them, do you still not understand? They'd make one great declarations of faith one moment and the next minute they'd miss it by a mile. They were full of pride and selfish ambition, full of self-importance. Sometimes Jesus would teach something and they'd go, I, I just can't, I don't know what to make of that. They'd stagger at his teaching. Sometimes he made decisions and he, they were just like, what on earth is he doing? We do not understand what he's doing. And when it got really tough, they abandoned him. The eventual leader of the church, Peter, denies Jesus three times. doesn't just deny him. He calls down curses to say, I don't, I don't know anything about this person. And yet Jesus showed unlimited patience. Unlimited patience. Because he only ever saw what he... He only did what he saw his father doing. And our challenge is this, that God expects us, those who believe in Jesus, to show the same patience. It's not a choice, it's a command. This is for everyone. In Thessalonians it says this, and Paul says to the Thessalonians, this is the man who we've just talked about, this is what he says to the Thessalonians, and we urge you brothers, be patient with everyone. Everyone. How do we do that? We ain't ever going to do it by just trying harder. I can't even be patient for a parking space. God's patience transforms us at the cross. Listen to that. God's patience transforms us at the cross. You see, becoming a Christian involves transformation. Something happens inside. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for us. You see, when Paul was persecuting the church, he knew Jesus had died. He knew he died on the cross. It was a well-known fact. Nobody ever doubted it. Paul knew Jesus' followers were saying that Jesus had risen from the dead and, and he persecuted them for it because he didn't believe it was true. He'd heard the facts, but that wasn't enough. What made the difference? He needed a personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And when that happened, everything changed. Something changed inside Paul was transformed by the love of God that he saw on the cross. The love of God that he saw for him, outworked in God's patience towards him, transformed everything. And God wants you to know that it's true for you. He wants you to be transformed by God's patience towards you. 
And maybe you've come here this morning and, and you're not sure about whether you believe in Jesus. I, I want to tell you an encounter with Jesus Christ at the cross changes everything. God wants to change your heart. God wants to change your heart. You see, our rebellion, our contempt for God's patience can't be ignored. At the cross, God punished his son who displayed unlimited patience instead of us. Only God's perfect son could deal with our rebellion. The cross is the ultimate display of God's patience. The New Testament writers simply say Jesus died and rose again on the third day. In those few simple words is our great hope. Like Paul, we need to encounter the only one who can save us. If we trust him with our life, he will bring us into a relationship with his Father. That is why God keeps showing patience to a world determined to ignore him. Peter summed it all up when he simply said, God's patience means salvation. At the cross, our old life ends, and we are inextricably linked to Jesus Christ. We don't live any longer. We die to our old life. Christ lives in us. Something happens. Christ's unlimited patience can dwell in us. How? Well, God's patience is imparted to us by God's Holy Spirit. See, Jesus promised that he would send the Spirit to dwell in each one of us, each one of his followers. Becoming Christians, you see, is, is, all, a, is all a work of God. God's Spirit works on us. We can only uh, uh, come to know God because God's Holy Spirit is revealing him to us. The Bible, Jesus himself says that we need to be born again. Something happens inside, and it's only the Holy Spirit that can do that, that can make Jesus real to us. And yet, even though his first disciples, Jesus' first followers, were believers, Jesus said you still need to be baptized in the Spirit. So they already were believers. And then Jesus says, and it's quite clear from John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for them. They're clearly believers. But they still need to be filled with the Spirit. They've received something. They're born again. They've come to know God. But they need to be filled, soaked, saturated in God's Spirit if they're going to live the way that Jesus and the Father want them to. And so on the day of Pentecost, what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on these people and suddenly they are transformed. Unlimited patience to a needy world suddenly becomes a a possibility. It's no longer a pipe dream. It's no longer something that's just outside their reach. It is something that they can do because God's Spirit saturates them and has changed them. Paul commands us to be filled with the Spirit. We need to live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Holy Spirit, we're told in Galatians chapter 5. And Paul's prayer for us is this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience 
you need. This is where true fruitfulness comes from. It's the only way. It's not about trying harder. You see, for most of us, it's, we find it easy to go back to our old ways of thinking and to quench the Holy Spirit working within us. And we do it when we write people off. We all do it. We criticize people. We condemn them. We judge them. They're a waste of time. How many times have those words come out of our mouths? They're useless. We've been kept waiting. They do something that we wouldn't do. And we write them off. And we criticize. We condemn them. We judge them. They're useless. Are they? What right have we to say or think that about anyone? God is patient with them. What about when we get frustrated or disappointed or angry with God because he isn't doing what we want him to do? He isn't answering our prayer in the way that we want him to answer our prayer. There are moments in church life when I'm praying for something for us as a church and it doesn't happen straight away. Sometimes it doesn't happen in the way. And and it's easy to almost get frustrated and impatient with God. Why aren't you doing what I thought you were going to do? Sometimes when I'm praying about, say, church finances, I'm saying, God, we, we need a breakthrough in this. And in my head, I'm thinking next Friday. And some, it sometimes, well, it often doesn't happen. And I have that moment where there, there's something inside me. It's like, oh, come on, God. How dare, how dare I do that? How dare I do that to the God who rules the heavens, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Do I see the breadth of his purposes? Do I understand his mind fully? I know nothing. I want to encourage you, don't lose heart. Because each one of us have battled with that. Each one of us know what that feels like. You see, patience is a process. It's a continuous process. First of all, it's not about us trying harder to be patient. It's daily putting Jesus at the center of our lives. That's where we get it from. It's not by trying harder. It's not by holding our tongue. It's not by counting to ten. Those things may help on externals. Actually, it's about putting Jesus at the center. Jesus, be with me today. We do it by reading the Word and being daily filled with the Holy Spirit who transforms us every day into the image of Christ. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And as we live in God's grace... Patience grows like a fruit of the Spirit. It grows like a fruit. John Ortberg says this, Waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Listen to this. Waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. God... Patience is allowing God to do his work in us in his way, his own way, in his own time. You see, 
patience has a context. There are two key areas I'm going to pick on. Patience is seen as we endure tough circumstances and keep trusting God. Loads of you out there I know have experienced and are some of you experienced tough circumstances at the moment. Luther said this, Martin Luther said this, that when we face opposition or trouble, lack of patience shows where our heart is. You see, difficulties, where should they point us? They point us to Christ. When we face difficulties, where do we go? We go to him. We go to the rock of ages. We go to the one who gives us strength and gives us hope. We go to Christ. We don't go to a self-help book from Waterstones. We go to the Word of God, which gives us great and precious promises. God never breaks His Word, we heard this morning. This sort of patience is unbreakable. The pressure tempers us and makes us stronger. Listen to this quote by Spurgeon. The anvil is struck by the hammer, and the anvil never strikes in return. Yet the anvil wears the hammer out. Patience baffles fury and vanquishes malice. When we're in difficult circumstances, and maybe some of you are facing really tough situations this morning, where do you go? You go to Christ, the cornerstone. You go to Christ, the anvil, the one in whom we uh, place our trust. He is unchanging, dependable. And under the heat and the pressure of the hammer that keeps coming down on us, the anvil never wears out. And in the process, we are shaped by God to be more Christ-like. Maybe you're feeling the blows of circumstances hammering down on you. Maybe you've lost loved ones recently. Some of you I know are facing huge pressure at work. For others, the financial future for you looks really scary. Maybe you're struggling with loneliness, anxiety or rejection. Maybe you feel at breaking point. Take courage. Look to Christ. He bore the hammer blows for you and he never struck back. The nails that were hammered into his hands and into his wrists that hung him to the cross for our rebellion, our impatience with God. He did it for us. He was broken so that through him we might receive new life and that we might never break under pressure. The second context is this. It's seen as we love people who are making life difficult for us by loving them as God loves them. That's the context of patience, loving people. God is always about people. It's all about people. We never write people off because God never writes them off. God never wrote us off. And we write people off when we criticize them, undermine them, ridicule them. Paul says love is patient and love is kind. And love always believes the best in others. Patience is love stretched out. 
We have to believe the best even when we only hear one side of a story. Paul says patience means we bear with each other. And you only have to bear with people when they are annoying you and irritating you and there's something in there that makes you want to bite back and say something. Paul says at that moment we go to Christ. We make sure Christ is at the center. And as we do that, God's love is shed abroad in our heart. And we are able and we have the grace. We receive grace from God to be able to bear with one another. You need grace to be able to bear with me. Because sometimes I'm annoying. I am. Annie will tell you. There are sometimes, this week even, I've been annoying. I know I have. She needs grace or she needs patience with me. In fact, if you want to talk, in fact, probably if you wanted to listen to someone talk about patience, you probably ought to listen to her because she has to do more of it with me. We need to be patient with one another. And it doesn't mean sitting back and saying nothing and just going, let people do whatever they want. That isn't what the Bible says. We love people too much to sit back and say nothing. We bear with them. And so Paul says, when we're being, pati- we're being patient with people, when we warn the idle, encourage the timid, and help the weak. When you do that, you are being patient and showing God's patience. Patience is seen in those who calm quarrels. That's what it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18. What about us? Do we cause quarrels? Talks in Galatians 5. Jonathan quoted this verse last week about biting. and Beware about biting and devouring one another. Like snapping dogs. Sometimes we're like that with people. Biting. It says, James says, beware because you will be devoured if you're like that. We are to show God's unlimited patience. When we're being patient with people, we are revealing the heart of God and being Christ-like. You see, it's only through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God, we're told in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. You can't have faith without patience and vice versa. If you're praying in faith for situations and people, it will be marked by patience because we're trusting to God to answer the prayer in his time and in his way. It's easy when trajectory is positive. It's less easy when everything is going south, when things seem to be getting worse. In those moments, we need patience. Faith and patience is neither passive nor indifferent. It never gives up. It never gives up because he never gives up on us. If Christ is still on the throne, and if he is still praying for us, as it says in Hebrews 7.25, then we press on, patiently trusting God to break through. And as we do it, God shapes and changes us. Are we patient? Are we patient in prayer? Or are we impatient and prone to give up? God wants to encourage us this morning. 
We are in, he knows we're impatient people living in an impatient world. Yet he never changes. He is patient. He's a patient God with us. And we see his patience to us in Christ, showing us unlimited patience. No one, no one is beyond the grace of God. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, God's not interested with me, you don't know what I've done, then I say you haven't understood what Christ did for us on the cross. He showed unlimited patience. Unlimited patience. No one is beyond the grace of God. We are transformed at the cross and by being filled with the Holy Spirit, we can live as God planned for us by showing Christ's patience to an impatient world. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be daily saturated in God's Word and God's Spirit. We need to daily put Christ at the center. You see, tough circumstances and difficult people will only ever be overcome by faith and patience. Faith in Christ and the patience of God. I'm going to finish with this quote by Spurgeon. Maybe the bands could come up and join us. Join me, rather. This is what Spurgeon said. Patience is a pearl which is found only in the deep seas of affliction. And only grace can find it there. Bring it to the surface and adorn the neck of faith with it. Patience is a pearl which is found only in the deep seas of affliction. And only grace can find it there. Bring it to the surface and adorn the neck of faith with it. Are you this morning? Do you feel like you're in deep seas of affliction? That might be what it feels like for you. Everything going wrong. Can't see a way out. Where's God? Pressure feels like you're under the hammer. The hammer blows, feel they feel like raining down on you. You feel like you're going to break. God says, you won't break. Look to me, come to me. Patience is a pearl found in, only in the deep seas of affliction and only grace can find it there. It's not about trying harder. It's receiving what Christ has won for you at the cross. And we do that through faith. We're going to stand. We're going to respond to God together. We're going to sing. And as we do that, I want you in your heart to be saying, God, you've been speaking to me today. Talk to him about what he's been speaking to you about. And we're going to look to Christ. We're going to focus on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter.